everybody. Welcome back to the Ohioan uh, Broadcast Network, uh, the podcast network, I should say. I don't know why I was. Maybe we're going to take our uh, take our show, George, to the next level and be a broadcast company. But it's Thursday. The week the weekend is almost here. Thankfully, that's probably why I uh, messed up there. But um, we're talking streaming, we're talking movies, but this week we're only talking about streaming because uh, the release schedule is a little bit light with the Batman dominating the box office. But there is a new release. Uh, it is on Disney Plus, and that is Turning Red, highly anticipated Pixar film that didn't get the theatrical treatment, but maybe, George, you can explain why you think it might not have gotten the theatrical <laughs> Oh, you're going <laughs> to set me up on that one, aren't you? <laughs> Well, and just well, throw George right out there to the walls. <laughs> tell Let's us, go uh, for it. as I remove the knife from your back, tell us a little bit about Turning Red. Um, Turning Red is about a little, uh, I don't want to call her a little girl, a, a tween, I guess, named May, who uh, likes everything a girl in, in, for, in 2002 would like. Boy bands, having her first cell phone, hanging out with her buds, and boom. Um, she lives in Toronto, very smart. She's very charming. And we're hit right away with the fact that May's hitting puberty. And in this film that includes discussion of um, her period, her first period. Turning, turning red is a metaphor for that, except the turning red here is May turning into a red panda when she's emotional, overly emotional, and and poofing out in front of her friends, basically. Right. Um, she has to contend with that, dealing with her mother, who's more... At times, it seems like her mother, who's voiced by Sandra Oh, is, is more <laughs> uptight than she is. You know what I mean? Right. And it's, it's a basic mother-daughter relationship film with how many times have we seen a coming of age film where it's dealing with a, a, a boy's perspective? Right. And this time it tackles it head on. And I'll be, I, I, just for the sake of a full disclosure, when I saw the first half, oh, half hour or so, I was a bit, I don't want to say uneasy, but I was, you know, that in, 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 in in a in a technically a children's film, it it's it's kind of a taboo subject that's never been tackled before. Yeah. It's bold. Um, doesn't necessarily mean this is a great movie, but it's 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 definitely a a master stroke that's generally handled well. Um, I like the mother daughter relationship, and you know. I only gave it a B minus and anyone who's been criticizing this film um, on the basis of the fact that it's, it's intended audience is so narrow, shame on them. You know what I mean? Right. We talk about this diversity in film and mind you, my, May is Chinese Canadian, but we talk about diversity in film and yet we've never seen this subject tackled this way on and, and geared towards the, the audience who would be 
more interested genuinely handling a a young woman's basic transition to womanhood right in a in a thoughtful and sometimes comical way and shame on them for criticizing that aspect of this film they want to criticize it for some of the other stuff be my guest because you know once you get over the initial shock of it you see why perhaps pixar took this direct to to disney plus yeah. it's imperfect i i like that they took a bold step in doing this but i think i wrote a bold step step doesn't necessarily make a classic and when you're making a film for pixar the bar is really, 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 really high. Right. And I don't think this movie comes close to that. Right. You know, one question I wanted, you know, based on the trailers, and I've only seen a few of the trailers, I know what the movie is generally about, but uh, does it look like that sort of that classic Pixar attention to detail like you would see in, you know, Inside Out or, um, you know, even more recently, Soul? I mean, does it look like a Pixar? Because it oh, absolutely. Really like, at first, the trailers had me a little bit um, nervous that it, it kind of looked uh, not clunky, but more so like a animation that you'd see from like a DreamWorks or you know maybe even like a, you know a Minions NBC Universal type. Not that that's bad, but you know Pixar has a certain style. Style, and and, and it's it strays from that that style a little bit, but. It, it's gorgeously animated. It really is. It looks beautiful. Um, and, you know, I, I think they're doing something different this time around. Right. And if we're, if we're being honest, my guess is it's going to generate a few subscriptions. Well, and that's something that we've talked about a lot. And maybe we can sort of transition here into Disney Plus sort of trying some different things. I think you can tell they're a little bit nervous about the stunt in growth that they've had where they thought they would be ascending past Netflix almost any month now. Um, but they, they seem to be pivoting in, in a lot of ways where your adult Netflix shows of Marvel superheroes is now coming over to Disney Plus, which would include really mature rated, you know, fare like The Punisher or Daredevil. And now there's talks that by the end of this year, at least domestically, that they're going to be moving in to an ad-supported model. Now, I, you know, I, at Disney Plus, I have the bundle through my cell phone, so I'm not sure individually how much Disney Plus costs anymore. But I don't think it's more than about 8 or $9 a month. So an ad-supported model, I mean, are you looking at like a $4 a month Disney Plus subscription? How are they going to do this? You know, people who... who... Who, I don't get people who who would complain about the price of Disney Plus well, for, for what you get. Right. I mean, um, number one purveyor of, of family entertainment in history, probably. Right. Yeah. It's 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 eight bucks a month. Um, but I we we've discussed this before. Many other. You can only get so many subscribers, and I think. That's what this is about. The stunted subscriptions from, although they had a rise, a, a rise they, I don't think they expected in the, in the fourth quarter. But
but I think that you're absolutely right. They're worried about growth. And with an ad-supported service, it's not just about subscribers, obviously. They're going to be able to sell ads at a premium. They're delivering an audience that every mainstream advertiser would want. Laundry detergent, blah, 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 blah. And they could really, they're under under no obligation from the, the FCC to um, either limit or mandate a certain number of ads. So they literally will control the market and, and, and how much they can make. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, they... Super Bowl of streaming services. That's the best way to look at it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I have a hard time thinking. I, I mean, I agree with you that, you know, price really isn't a big. I mean, I could see if Disney Plus was like, you know, 15 bucks a month like HBO Max was, that they would say, well, maybe we can get more people if we reduce the price and have ads like HBO Max did. Now, I don't know if that's been you know, a big boon for their, their service subscriptions for HBO Max, but I could see why they did it. You know, for being something that's under $10 a month, it seems odd that Disney would feel the need to do this, although, you know, maybe because of that, the allure of getting all that extra money from advertising that they just don't care, and if it needs to be 4 bucks or 5 bucks a month or whatever, they're going to do it. Now, maybe, do you think that that could lead to a rise in the price of the normal Disney plus tier. I think you're, you're, you're looking at consistent rises from streaming services, regardless Disney or anyone. I think it's just the way of the, it's going to be the way of the way of the world. Um, What people have to understand is, is Disney is selling us a product. And by the same token, their audience becomes a product for their advertisers. That's basically what this is. Right. I mean, you and I both work in newspapers. Let's face it. We try to deliver readers for the ad sales department. Right. And and that's that's all it eyes. And and that's all they're doing. Um, and I think I think you're looking at a dollar per month per month raise every other year out of Disney from now on. Till it maxes out. Um, although I don't know what that is because it doesn't seem to stop Netflix from going ape. No, it doesn't. You know, I've, I've, I think I've said this before, but you know, I think the way that Disney Plus was going to compete with Netflix wasn't even necessarily having all the adult content, although I think they need that. But I mean, how long did Disney Plus exist before we finally got something original other than The Mandalorian? You know, last year, Marvel started kicking off with Falcon and Winter Soldier and, and, you know, shows like that. But it seemed like it took them so long to get that original content library started that now you've got like Obi-Wan Kenobi's coming out here. You've got um, other Star Wars properties that are going to be coming, other Marvel properties that are coming it makes me think that you're, if you would have waited a little bit, maybe you wouldn't even need to go to this ad support because I think people were not subscribing or churning off because they didn't have a lot of original content. They just had the, yeah, we've seen 
all of the Marvel movies now. We've seen the Star Wars movies, but what's coming out that's new and different? Well, this is the year they're finally really starting to expand the library along with last year where you're going to have basically like they're a normal streamer that has new shows every three months or whatever their run's going to be. I think they had to learn to work within within the confines of the pandemic because of that, though. Yeah. I think they had a lot of shows delayed because of the pandemic. Right. And when you commit to launching something as huge as Disney Plus was, you had to go with what you got. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on that. The thing is, they're finally producing those original shows. I wonder if they're ever going to get into Disney Plus only movies. That'd be something to see. At any rate, and they're, you're starting to see more and more. You're starting to see those that really grab your attention. I mean, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi, the trailer for that was the first one I looked at and said, Oh, yes, I'm there. Right. I yeah. wasn't for The Mandalorian. I didn't have any any excitement for that. Wow. Um, I really didn't have any excitement for Boba Fett. It was okay. Um, so they look as if they're finally doing what they want to do. And good on them. Because they're delivering what they promised, which is family entertainment that uh, from from properties that we know. Now, how terribly original they're going to be, I don't know. Right. <laughs> um, I have a lot of faith in Obi Wan Kenobi, though. Simply because yeah. the fact that they they were able to get Ewan McGregor back tells me a lot about that series. Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, they've got, um, you know, the, the Buzz Lightyear origin story movie that's um, going to be coming out later this year. So, you know, there's a lot to, to really take a bite out of, I think, as, as this year and the years to come. You know, I kind of do agree with you. I wonder if they're ever going to have, like, those Disney Plus only movies. And I guess they they probably would make the argument that they're these straight-to-Disney Plus Pixar movies are kind of like that. But, you know, those are kind of better than what you would expect. I, I don't know if I should expect like a 15 Aladdin movie or something in, you know, you know, five years, but you kind of wonder if they're going to get back to that model where they were making sequels off of some of their classics because they could, and they know people would buy the movies and just eat it up. And I wonder if that could apply here with Disney plus originals or, you know, whether or not Jafar needs glasses or something, or, you know, Ariel. You're killing me. <laughs> you know, but isn't that, isn't that kind of the, the situation where, you know, Disney plus could, they don't have to invest a ton of money. They need content. Kids need to watch stuff. Parents want to put kids in front of the TV to watch stuff. So if you have, you know, beauty and the beast 20, is it really, you know, do you have to sink a lot of money into it to make it look gorgeous and, all that they, you don't really have to. They, they don't have to, but they better, because yeah. that's the point where I I unsubscribe. I'm I I've got the Disney Channel and their bad putrid sitcoms, and they're 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 I I have that already. I don't watch it, yeah. but it, it's on my YouTube TV. They I think they run a real risk of turning that into 
Disney Channel for streaming if they don't continue to deliver quality entertainment. Stuff that looks like it could play on a movie screen in most cases. So that would be a gamble. I mean, I think think, um, bringing the Marvel shows over from Netflix, I think that's a quasi-gamble simply because of content. Right. And secondly, because... How do I say this? They weren't exactly cinematic. Right. They you you they were made for television, and you could tell they were made for television. Right. Um Luke Cage, I love the first season. The next season I dropped out. Right. Um I dropped out of this third season of Daredevil. Perhaps I go back and catch them all now because yeah. Marvel, those characters might be integrated. Well, definitely Daredevil. Right. Be integrated into the MCU at, at some point. But I, I, I think there's an inherent risk there that they don't make that look like paid Disney Channel. Yeah, but isn't the part of the risk is that now they're starting to blend in more adult content as opposed to, oh, it's going to be on Hulu. Like now, now it's there or it's going to be there. And that was always the big debate. You know, we've talked about it where that was one of the, the, maybe the places where they're a little hamstrung with not being able to put adult centric content on there. Maybe now them not, who knows if they're going to edit it or sanitize it in any way, but bringing that over now, doesn't that maybe inspire them to say, okay, now we're going to have an R-rated Disney movie on there or whatever 20th century properties we may have, we're willing to put on Disney Plus, you know, instead of, I mean, I remember there was a a concern on whether or not Free Guy would be on Disney Plus because it was PG-13 and it's like, it's no different than any of the PG-13 Star Wars or the Marvel, the PG-13 Marvel movies, but everybody was was curious about that because it wasn't the science fiction-y Star Wars or Cartoonish violence, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. I um, mean, is this a good omen maybe for the future that we could see like a a TVMA Mandalorian? Not that I'm clamoring for it, but you know, could we see like the Darth Vader series, perhaps, you know, be something like that? Directed by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine? I I in all sincerity, I think given what's happened with Peacock peeling off shows yeah. from Hulu. I think eventually, and I'm I'm not going to hazard a guess as to when, I think you're looking at those two services being combined. Yep. Disney looking more like HBO Max than having two separate services. Just one service yeah. and, you know, parents who are touchy about certain things will have to learn to exercise their parental control. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've always been curious about. Like, I mean, you can create a parental control on these apps and Disney themselves can, you know, I mean, there's a um, uh, Paramount plus has, or even Peacock, I think does too, where you can have a, one of the profiles be like a kid profile. And you can even, I think in the, uh, in the Peacock app, you can even dictate like how old that person is. Yep. So if they're like a Y through seven, you can put it there. If they're a tween, you can put it at that. So 
I mean, I've always wondered why Disney doesn't just say, well, parents can control what their kids watch, especially with what some of these other services have done. Maybe they can, you know, migrate towards that and, and start to put real, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to put the last duel on there, but, you know, I mean, well, at some point you got to you got to understand if you want to maximize your subscription base, that's probably the way to do it. Isn't that what they're basically doing with the Marvel TV series? They're saying, hey, parents, do your freaking job. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I, I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I get that. But then I also kind of think like, you know, some of that stuff's been around and people have seen it if they want to see it. I'm talking like, you know, a movie like The Last Duel, which is a 20th Century Fox property, which means Disney owns the rights to it. It's on Hulu. It's on HBO Max. But would a movie like that ever make it even with parental control on a Disney Plus app? I just don't know. I, I kind of feel like, yeah, you've got Marvel, mature Marvel stuff on there now, so why not? But there's always going to be this like, well, that's a more realistic looking movie. It's set more in a reality. It's, you know what I mean? I, I think they get nervous about stuff like that where, you know, The Simpsons has been on Disney Plus since its inception. And no one seems to care about some of the stuff that goes on with the Simpsons because they're animated characters that are yellow. So they're no one, so they're not real. And it's like the you know even though the themes and everything is real and the, the Daredevil is real, but Daredevil's real. And the Last <laughs> Duel is even in a movie like the Last Duel is even more real than that. You know, so it, it just seems like it's a great first step, but I just wonder how far they'll go with it. I I think I think Bob Chapek, their new uh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, their new CEO is going to push the limits as far as the board of directors allow him to push that limit, and they're they're as far far enough so it doesn't damage the the name. That's the best way to put it. I think that's where they're heading. Okay, well it, you know. Disney Plus doing well. Obviously, they've got a great library of old content, new content, stuff that's always coming out. So, I mean, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of things to be excited about with Disney Plus. And, you know, I've always said this. My favorite thing is HBO Max. You know, I think it's got the best library of content around. Although one thing that will not be in the library, apparently, uh, at least not for, for now anyway, was Matt Reeves' Uh, the Batman prequel, whatever you want to call it, it was a Gotham Police Department set. Uh, Gotham PD. Drama. Yeah, so Gotham PD, uh, sort of a, I, I've heard it described as sort of the year one to Batman, the Batman's year two. And it would, you know, obviously deal with police corruption, which would be a timely, always, it's always timely, but certainly timely now in today, today's society. But they're scrapping that and going with, the Penguin movie or the Penguin series that they've greenlit and, and instead, which, you know, I think everybody's excited for after seeing Colin Farrell as the Penguin here in the Batman. Are you surprised, though, that they've pivoted and not wanted to, you know, greenlight both of them with all, after all this success? I'm going to go back to something I've said before. The Fox TV series Gotham. That television series, I don't know if you ever watched it, dealt with... Corruption in Gotham PD, it also dealt with the rise of every right. major villain with an emphasis on the Penguin. So, you know, 
it's going to be interesting to see what Matt Reeves does with it and who he chooses to collaborate with on it. But yeah, I, 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 it seems like they're going to take a more Goodfellas, Godfather kind of take on the Penguin. Yeah. Um, the pivot doesn't surprise me. I guess they view that as the stronger play. I mean, um, what would you sign up for? What would, what would make you make you generate a, a, a subscription for something like that? Well, I think you know. Obviously, people know Colin Farrell. They saw the movie. They probably like Colin Farrell. He's the star that's attached. You don't know who's going to uh, be in the Gotham PD series, so there's no real like attachment, like emotionally, personally, whatever. So I can see why people would be like, well, hey, Colin Farrell's in for this. Now, maybe at the time, you know, Warner was probably like, hey, would you be interested in this? And maybe they didn't realize he would say yes. And they're like, well, hell, we got to green light this because we got a pretty good uh, movie star here that's willing to to take on a, a limited series run. So let's go with the known commodity. Well, see, they're, they're, the key words right there are limited series. This is nothing but a big ass movie. <laughs> That, that that's right, all right. it is, and I'm right. willing to bet it's going to be shot with that in mind, as opposed to yeah. for the small screen. Right, it's a limited series, which is why you can get an Ewan McGregor to do Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. It's a one off. It's yeah. a, it's a mini series. It's a limited. So I think that was the key right there. That makes sense. I mean, I hope that they. You know, there was talks of some creative differences, perhaps, and, and maybe, you know, who knows, you know, what if that's going to get in a turnaround or if that's something that's just on the back burner for right now or if it's going to go, you know, in the drawer and stay there. I'm kind of hoping it's not. I wouldn't mind seeing a, you know, a dark, gritty Gotham PD corruption. I understand we've seen that with Gotham a little bit, but that's also somewhat sanitized by the network television constraints that you have so you know getting the hbo treatment you know i kind of think it would be fun to see a even darker version of a gotham piece you know but now how far are they going to allow anyone to push batman well i, I mean who it is made a, a batman oral sex joke on twitter <laughs> and, and and warner brothers basically freaked out well, how far yeah. can they push it up beyond what they've done? Well, I mean, you know, I, I I get that, but you know, Ben Affleck's Batman, although the movies were just trash, you know, he killed people, he used weapons, he, you know, I mean, he it wasn't like he was cussing, but I mean, that's the only thing he didn't do. Um, I don't know that, you know. I don't know. I mean, you know, it, his Batman take was was pretty close to like the violent nature of Batman, how Batman could be. Every, you know, Christian Bale, of course, was the don't kill anybody, you know, Batman. So, you know, I, I think you can take him pretty far. Wait, that Batman killed flying monkeys, not actual people. So... <laughs> oh. You wanted to kill Superman until they found out they shared that's the a, same that's a, Yeah, I'll give you that. But the, the Trump card, of course, being that they their mother shared the same name, which 
you know, Batman's like the smartest man in the world and didn't realize that Superman's mom's name was Martha as well. Apparently. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. Six years after or whatever it was. Yeah, sorry for everybody that we spoiled the uh, the epic fight that Batman and Superman had up until they decided, nope, we're not going to fight anymore because we share a, our moms share a common name. I guess uh, Bruce Wayne didn't have Google services or, uh, you know, didn't get a good police background check on Superman there, did he? Probably not. Yeah. Well, okay. Um, you know, I did want to mention streaming. You know, you had mentioned before we started here that uh, you watched the, the Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. Now, this is a Samuel L. Jackson starred Apple TV Plus series. I'm a huge fan of Samuel L. Jackson. Please tell me this is good, George. I'm looking for something else on Apple TV Plus besides Ted Lasso. I binged it in two days. All right. It's well, another. You're not going to get that privilege though, unless you no. wait. <laughs> what is it? There, it's it has an eight episode run. They're dropping the first two, so it's it's seven weeks before you can actually binge it. Just sit okay. down with it. Um, Ptolemy Gray. It's it's a, a double mystery told through the eyes of an African a, a black man who grew up in Mississippi until he was twelve, went out on his own, ended up in Atlanta. Now he's broken down, old, suffering from dementia slash Alzheimer's. His nephew is killed, and. Going on in all this is the fact that his nephew, before his death, found a doctor to help him with his dementia. Now, the odd thing is, something that huge plot point, I don't want to say it's played down, but it's not played up as much as it could be. Now, he basically just gets his memory back and decides through the very through the, the fog of treatment, he's going to solve his nephew's murder. Along the, the way, he's got to deal with family who, um, with his nephew gone, don't really want to take care of him. And eventually, a, a close friend of family ends up taking care of him. They bond. And that's the beauty of the series. The strength of the series is... A, Relationship between a, a friendship, let me clarify, right. that's between a 17-year-old girl who's had a hellacious life. She's played by Dominique Fishback, who was brilliant in Jesus and the Black Messiah. And and Samuel L. Jackson's character, Ptolemy Gray, who, who just basically needs someone. And he's been hiding the secret for 70 years that it's just mind blowing. It's based on a novel by Walter Mosley. I don't know if you're familiar with, with Walter Mosley. No. You you ever see the film devil in a blue dress? Yeah. Devil in a blue dress was based on his book. Okay. The uh, easy Rollins series. And it's entertaining. Some subtle social commentary about ageism Elderly abuse, racism. I mean, it really goes in in a deep way, but not a heavy-handed way right. about all this stuff in society in general. 
And yeah, okay. I recommend it. it. It premieres tomorrow night, Friday, and I recommend it wholeheartedly. Is this is this a limited series? I would imagine. Or? Yep. If okay. you get Sam, you get Sam Jackson. He ain't doing multiple. <laughs> He's, He's got, got money that. to make. He's got that stupid Marvel and uh, Star Wars money. He doesn't need to do a series. Correct. <laughs> he, he's invested in this one. He's an EP on it. Right. My guess is he brought it to Apple TV. And I, I, I wrote in my review point blank, you know, a lot of some streamers are just throwing stuff against the wall. I'm getting more and more a sense of who Apple TV is. And they seem to be more focused on quality as opposed to quantity. Right. Ultimately, they may get to the point where they realize they need more library. So it'll be just the opposite. But right now at five bucks a month, yeah, it's worth it to me to see quality TV. I Leaving the, the media room um, today after the MAC tournament, tournament game I covered somebody asked me what I was doing if I if I was going home to watch a movie or something I'm like no I'm probably going home to stream something I go I don't watch network that much network TV anymore I yeah. just don't and one of the reasons is quality stuff you can get from streamers most of the time although Netflix is 50 50 um, <laughs> yeah if that if that so you know, Apple is doing its thing. I'm appreciating them more and more. I really am. Yeah, you know, I know I've been a little critical of their sort of lack of releases and library, but I do agree with you that it, it's very refreshing that they don't just put out a billion things a, a month or a year like you seem to get with other streamers, you know, especially Netflix, obviously. So it is pretty refreshing that, you know, they, they seem to be very tactful about how they release and what they're releasing. You know, obviously, I think they're if, if Ted Lasso is a three season run and that's it, they're going to need, you know, quality content until they find like the next Ted Lasso that people just fall in love with. And it's refreshing and fun. But it's good to see, you know, shows like this. And they've gotten a lot of star power with Sam Jackson. You know, they had to shrink next door with Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd. So they've, you know, they've been able to accumulate quality actors and actresses to come in and inhabit some of these shows. And that's also going to help them out, uh, you know, along with maybe if they're able to buy libraries like A24 or whatever they do decide to do with all that stupid money that they possess. Kind of um, shocked that they missed out on MGM, but that's another topic. Yeah, well, they they lost out on it to someone that also has stupid money too. So it was, uh, you know, not a surprise, I guess. But yeah, you had two two competing, just filthy rich companies that uh, could have paid whatever they wanted for it. It's funny that Apple just just bought rights to Friday Night Major League Baseball. I saw that. Yeah, it's they'll like, have two games, and of course, the lockout ends a couple of days later. So heaven, you know, heaven opened up for Apple to come in there and make them broker a deal probably. Cause I don't think Apple wanted to wait on their coverage for this year with all the money they're probably paying for those rights. Yeah. It's just, I, I think you can look for big tech in these, these streaming services to start making their moves on, on live sports. I yeah. think eventually that you're looking and we're, we're kind of halfway there now with uh, regional sports networks. But yeah. what happens if all 
these these leagues end up on streaming services. But it's possible. But yeah, definitely check out Ptolemy Gray. I mean, I can't say enough enough of good things about that show. Yeah. Well, I did want to provide a quick update. I was able to watch episode one of Winning Time, The Rise of the Lakers. What do you think? <laughs> I was very happy with it. Um, it gave me a nice 1980s aesthetic and feel with that grainy cinematography. It was uh, exactly what I expected an Adam McKay-led production to be, although John C. Riley is fantastic and fun. <laughs> always love John C. Riley, but here I feel like he, you know, the, the shackles are off and he's able to just do what he wants and just exactly. And it's, 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 fun to it's, see like, that. it's like they said, just have fun with it. Just have fun. Yeah, exactly. Just, just have no fun. restrictions. Do what you want to do. It's HBO. You don't have to, you know, there's no guidelines here. Just be Jerry Buss. And I'm, I'm very excited to see where the series goes. Obviously, you've seen um, the bulk of it. I have only seen the one. So, but, uh, you know, I will say, though, uh, you know, you were you were mentioning some of the subtext of, of, you know, issues of racism, misogyny, things like that. I don't know that it's quite after watching the first episode. Uh, it, it, under, it comes... It's not a layered. I mean, it's in your face, especially when they were comparing like uh, Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, where, you know, they were, you know, providing information about Larry Bird being this well-rounded man and yeah, you know, the, the, the they hit you with white, it. white, and, and and see what's 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 really screwy is it reminds you that you still hear that today, right? Right. Black athlete is naturally gifted. The the white athletic, athlete, yeah. Wiley, blah blah blah. Yep. It's like, really, yeah. really. Yeah, I'm excited to see where that series goes and. You know, one of the bright, bright things about it being on HBO Max is it, or HBO is it's not going to be sanitized. I, I don't think that they care whether or not the NBA or the Los Angeles Lakers or anybody that's depicted in that series is or isn't happy with the final product. I think they, they want to tell their story. I'm assuming Jerry West is probably not a huge fan of the show. Um, Nobody's a huge fan. <laughs> I Magic wish is, is, is disavowed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's funny, too, because I would imagine that Jerry West, uh, you know, to me, before this this episode, I always I never thought of Jerry West as being Adult. anything other than the gentleman that they said. I think the the line in the, in the show is like he's a gentleman to everybody that doesn't know him, you know, and, and everybody that does actually know him knows the real Jerry West. So it was it's a fun show. I can't wait to see what they do with it. And um, I would guess that the I didn't see the ratings for it, but I would imagine that they're probably going to get some solid ratings or at least, you know, some some watch back in the streams, I would imagine. Here's a question. What time slot was that in? It was in. Now I'm trying to do the math because I'm on Central Time, so it's an hour early. It was it was in the nine o'clock slot for East Coast, but that's because it was the only new program. So what they did was they had a nine o'clock premiere and then a replay at ten, and then they had last week tonight with John Oliver at eleven, like they normally do. So I don't know if it's going to stick at nine o'clock or if it's going to bump to ten as other newer shows start to premiere too. Um, what I'm wondering, see. That that Sunday night slot is kind of kind of Netflix or Netflix HBO's linear HBO's premiere slot. You know what I mean? Right. That that's them saying we have the utmost confidence in you. Right. 
So and that's yeah, and I'm looking at this week's schedule. Um, it's going to be the same thing where they have uh, winning time at uh, well eight o'clock Central Time, but so nine o'clock East, and then uh, the replay of of episode two right after that, and then last week tonight. So I'm guessing that since it's gotten like back to back weeks of premiere without, and in fact, it's uh, week uh, show number three is going to have that. So the next three weeks for sure are going to be premiering by themselves with no other HBO shows that are new. So they must have some confidence in it that it can hold its own. And, you know, I don't see why it wouldn't do well. I mean, I think you're going to generate a pretty, pretty solid audience. So, um, you know, people that, you know, young adult males will probably gravitate towards it because of all the flash and dash, but then you're also going to get, you know, people that are like my age and your age that, grew up on basketball in the seventies and eighties that probably will, will gravitate towards it to see this, this sh how showtime came to be. Well, if you lived it, yeah, I'm that old. I'm surprised though. I'm actually going through the schedule. So if the first, the first six episodes, so this goes, yeah, the first six episodes will have it. It's only be the episode premiering. So there will be no other new HBO show on before or after it until uh, the season, the next season of Barry premieres on the 17th of April. So HBO is either thin on content right now and didn't want to do Barry that early, or they're just trying to shove it down your throat with winning time, I guess. Well, that's a lot of episodes. Usually you get like one or two weeks and then you get another show cycled in but they're going right to it with with winning time now i haven't had a linear hbl since hbo max came out so right um like i said ultimate in confidence and it, it seems to be warranted how do you let me ask you a question yeah. I, I, i've read a lot of complaints about the visuals that grainy style you like that yeah yeah well, I'm a, you know, I like the, it can be, it's, you know, maybe some people could probably look at it as it's kind of a gimmick, like, okay, you're going to look, make it look like it's in the 1980s, like, but that's the allure of it. Like it, it, you know, they kind of make it look like it's part documentary when certain cameras are on actors and John C. Riley is talking to a certain camera versus not talking to other cameras that are used. So I kind of like the aesthetic, the the look of it. it. It looks like the 80s. It looks like what you would think of a classic film grain shot movie or TV show. And it, it's, you know, you could have easily made this a great looking 4K level, spotless looking, you know, mini series or, or series. But I kind of like that they decided to play into the aesthetics because that's the time period that they're depicting and... I don't think it comes across as great, you know, as, as gimmicky. Hmm. What do you think? Are you, would you have preferred a, a more stri straight standard production? Here it is. The, the, the thing with review copies, screeners, you get them unfiltered, unedited. So generally, like I saw a lot of, a lot of the basketball scenes, I saw green screen. Oh, okay. So, I couldn't tell if that was the aesthetic or if it was just 
they hadn't cleaned it up for critics and they were just making sure we 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 got it ahead of time okay so it's it's interesting to hear that you know that that's what they want to do yeah. doesn't bother me in the least yeah like i said i got through eight episodes with no problem and wanted the last two right away yeah, yeah i think a lot of I think there's a lot of people, especially, you know, millennials, not not anything. I'm a millennial, I'm an older millennial, but that like just that 4K crisp, no film grain, anything like that. And I don't mind it. It's the aesthetic. It's it's kind of like what people grew up on. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not that old, but I didn't grow up on high definition or 4K. And so, yeah, you're used to seeing some of that grain. You know, you're used to, you know, I, I know a lot of people complain about like, you know, the 4K hard Movies, disk, yeah. you know, like the 4K hard disk of like Ready Player One, for instance, which, you know, Spielberg uses a lot of film grain in sort of the depiction of like Columbus and some of the other scenes. But then when they get into the Oasis world, it's all just 4K, beautiful, crisp, no film grain, hardly um, or maybe just a layer added to give the aesthetic of a film of shot and film. But yeah, I mean, I grew up on, on that and I appreciate movies that are shot on film. So, you know, giving that sort of 1980s style, I don't mind it at all. I mean, I can, I can understand why some people would be like, Oh, you know, it would have looked beautiful. LA would look gorgeous. And, you know, everything would be so cool if it was just in like clear 4K or trust me, know. LA is a grimy city. So, <laughs> yeah. but I like it. I think it, it's it's not gimmicky. You know, if anything, the gimmicks of it are the breaking the fourth wall and making it seem as though it's some, you know, documentary style film, you know, or, or documentary series or whatever. But you know, that's kind of what I expected from Adam McKay. That's what he does is break the fourth wall and, you know, tongue in cheek, have some fun with things. So I don't mind that at all, but I think it looks nice. It's a, it's a well shot. It's well crafted. Just, and I think people think too, like when you have movies or TV shows that are like grainy and they look like the aesthetic of the, of the era they were shot in, I think a lot of people tend to think that they don't look good, but they it's a beautifully shot series like for a comedy or whatever you want to call it comedy drama it's well shot it's a it's the cinematography matches what it should be it looks nice i feel like la is becoming a character you know in that in that episode and i think it's going to become even more of a character probably through the series and you know you could probably speak better to that but you know that's that's i think part of the allure of it is the to kind of, you know, put your stamp on something and be unique and be different, but also, you know, make it make sense. And I think it makes sense here. See that, that grain is, is it's a fight. I quit fighting in, in various 4k, 4k Blu-ray collectors groups. I belong, belong yeah. to yeah. because bought the 4k of, of, of Indiana Jones, the, the box set, for instance. Right. And Raiders of the Lost Ark looks beautiful, but there's plenty of grain there. Yeah. And there were people who got a copy who just complained about it. I'm like, that's a film. Yeah. That's that's reality. Yeah. That, that's what a movie look should look like, but okay. And it's funny, like now nowadays, the irony is, is that some filmmakers love that era so much that even though they don't shoot on film 
they put film grain into their production to make it appear that it was shot on film because there are some filmmakers that appreciate that era of filmmaking so much that they're willing to actually add film grain layers to make it look like it. Some people don't get it. I mean, I haven't really heard a lot of complaints about the, um, the aesthetics of winning time. I mean, and to be honest, until that first shot came on and, you know, you see the first frame of that show, I didn't know what it was going to look like because the trailers were cleaned up and they looked like a normal 4k crisp looking trailer. They didn't really look too grainy and they didn't look like that eighties aesthetic. So I didn't know that it was going to be like that until, you know, the first frame of the show was up and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a nice look. This is, this is what, you know, it could be considered gimmicky, but it also blends in with the aesthetic of what this show is, which is 80s showtime, the rise of this Lakers dynasty, the pageantry that basketball would, would integrate into their sport. It made sense to me. And it was kind of quasi-docu-series, kind of like what you would see with The Office and Parks and Rec and some of those other, you know, documentary-style shows. Not so much like them where it's like sitting them down in a room to talk about something that happened at work. But, you know, you see like there might have even been some four by three ratio in there, if I'm not mistaken, in that first episode That's where it looked like maybe maybe they were shooting on a camera that could have been like docu style where it wasn't like the, the production camera look that, you know, that you got, even though you got the grain and the aesthetics of the 80s. I agree wholeheartedly. Big fan of it though. I'm I'm excited to see more, and uh, you know, but that doesn't mean. Uh, hopefully, the haters don't come out because I can still appreciate good-looking, non-grainy film style. You know, I just binged watch the the rest of the Righteous Gemstones, and for a comedy series, it looks it looks pretty darn good on my 4K TV. I, I have to say, it looked very nice. It was crispy looking, and pretty much a, a nice upscale for my 4K. The haters will come out. Yes, it's human nature. They always do. Well, George, uh, what do you have coming up here next week? I know there's another light release schedule because of the Batman, but uh, what do you have coming up for next week? I wish I knew at this point. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we can uh, make a mountain out of a molehill with something. Maybe we can uh, talk about grain or 4K grain or, you know, make some enemies there, I suppose. I don't need any more enemies. All right, George. Well, as always, you can read all of George's reviews and all of his sports coverage from the Akron Zips or Cleveland Browns at the Akron Beacon Journal or beaconjournal.com. You can follow George at by George Thomas on Twitter. A great read always. So definitely appreciate you stopping by as always. And I'm sure we'll talk more movies and streaming next week. Only if the studios will allow it. (laughs) (laughs) I think the next big release is Morbius. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, we'll talk to you next week. Later. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer. You know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.